You know, the thing is, is to never let our guard down. And that's probably the, the best thing to say. You know, obviously, with with the recent identification of ASF, both in the Dominican Republic and in Haiti, it really steps up our game because now we know it's in the Western Hemisphere. Before, we could say, well, it was in Europe, it was in Asia. There was still a, a considerable distance between us and other countries, and we can't say that anymore. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry, one that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swine It Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production. Genesis, the first power in genetics. Gestal, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Adiseo provides programs and services to help producers achieve their targets in high quality, safe, and sustainable way. Every Pig, a simple yet powerful pig health and production management tool. Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance. Ivonic, we are sciencing the global food challenge. Welcome to the Swine It Podcast Show. I am Laura Greiner, your host for today's episode. This episode's sponsored highlight is about every pig. The truth is precision swine production is not the future, it is the present. Every pig is the intelligent pig health platform. It is a simple yet powerful pig health and production management tool. Request a free 20 minute demonstration at www.everypig.co slash swineit. Hello, everyone. I'm your host for today's Swine It podcast. I'm Laura Greiner. And with me today, I have Dr. Lisa Becton, who is our Director of Swine Health at the National Pork Board. How are you today, Lisa? I'm fine. Thank you. We're glad to have you on today. Um, for our audience, would you mind giving them just a little bit of background about who you are and what you're currently doing at the National Pork Board? Yes. Uh, again, my name is Lisa Becton, and I'm one of the veterinarians with the National Pork Board. Um, I've been with the Pork Board just over 13 years and really fulfilling my role as a subject matter expert, but also helping to guide a lot of our educational resources and our research. Um, been heavily involved in both endemic disease research as well as foreign animal disease research. And then taking that information and, and creating it into a usable format for both producers, veterinarians, other researchers. And so really just trying to be a good steward of our checkoff funding. Wonderful. Well, and I think the discussion today is very timely. We've, we've of course, been visiting a lot on ASF recently and biosecurity steps and I understand that the National Pork Board is releasing a new platform called EpiX and would like for you to share a little bit about what that is. Sure. You know, the, this research project has had quite an evolution. Um, we always look at funding targeted research to different topics. And obviously for us, foreign animal diseases and more specifically, African swine fever has been a, a big subject for us since 2018 when it was first identified in China. It's not that it wasn't prior to that time and we had awareness and activities, but 2018 was really a pivotal year in our continued battle against these diseases. And so 
it's a we work very closely with our other sister agencies um, or organizations such as the National Pork Producers Council, um, the American Association of Swine Veterinarians, and then the Swine Health Information Center. And all of us have our various respective roles, but we all came to the agreement that uh, we really needed to focus on what are some of our weaknesses or areas that needed focus. And so when we worked from 2018 and then up until 2020, there was a lot of activity surrounding African swine fever and trying to shore up our gaps in our biosecurity, our research, our knowledge. And so when we got to 2020, we all agreed that it would really be a good time to set back and look at all of the activities that have taken place and say, where are we at? Are we missing anything? And how do we continue to, to grow, to learn, to add to our existing plans and programs and actions to make all of us better to protect against these devastating diseases? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what are you currently doing then? So we're talking about this reflection. So what where are we at? Sure. You know, that we had contracted or awarded a research um, award to the group EPIX, and they're based out of Fort Collins, Colorado, and they've done a lot of different risk assessments for a lot of different topics. And so they um, were awarded the contract and they started to really go back and assess what are the areas of risk for something for nationally what's coming in from the outside into the US that could pose a risk for ASF introduction. And so they systematically went through a lot of different areas of risk. Um, they utilized a, a very extensive matrix. They utilized expert panels, both from government, from pork producers, from other groups and entities to really discuss what are some of these risk areas. And from there, they were able to identify a lot of these different pathways of where the virus could come into the United States. And from there, they said, okay, here's what additionally we need to work on or things that are, are considered high risk and should be taken into consideration. And so those results were presented to us um, earlier this year, this summer. And then again, were presented at the uh, Allen Lehman Swine Conference here just in September of 2021. And so for those of us who weren't able to participate in at the Lehman Conference, what would be some key areas of risk that have been identified? The key areas, that's, or at least some of them, I, I don't have that right in front of me, but right. really the things we're looking at um, in things that are coming in. So, you know, could a, a visitor bring in illegal products or somehow unknowingly bring a, a pork or pork meat or pork processed product into the U.S. that could cause a problem and get into our pigs and then develop an infection? That's one area. Other thing is just the sheer amount of people and traffic. If clothing or footwear was not cleaned properly or equipment coming in wasn't cleaned properly. So the whole area of things coming into the United States, whether it's by legal means or otherwise, um, that was one big, very big area for us. Another big area that's had a lot of discussion is feeds and feed products and components. 
you know, how do we bring those in from other countries, especially ASF positive countries, and how do we give assurance that they are, are free of pathogens and free of things that could cause harm. And so that's obviously a huge area in and of itself, and our industry is very aggressively looking at that. Other areas include things such as show pigs, um, and not because we feel that the show pigs themselves are at risk, but it's more of raising awareness and alert to this particular section and niche pigs included that, you know, there's a lot of risk out there. They may have, you know, some things that they bring into the industry or bring in for use that they are un unaware of that could be of high risk. And so that was one area really for educational support and targeting. Another one in that same vein is looking at zoos or expositions that include captive sewage. And so again, looking at what are their risks as far as, you know, zoos are unique. You have tourist traffic and a lot of people that come through that you know, when they go to see a zoo, things aren't top of their mind for biosecurity. And so how do we get information to them for that sector to really understand what are the risks, what are the, you know, things that you could step up to do to prevent those risks? You know, there's other things that we look at, such as potentially intentional release. You know, we'd like to not think that that could happen, but those are all those are just some of the things that we have taken into consideration that, you know, these are really things that that we should focus on to ensure that we have guidance for or plans or education available to help help producers understand the risks, as well as other people that aren't familiar with the industry understand those risks. Yeah, I think the zoo's a really good example of, of something we don't think about, right? And I can always remember taking my kids to the zoo and, and we do the complete biosecurity thing when we get home, showers and shoes and all of that. But yep. the general public would not understand that. So I think- No, they don't. And and you know, the interesting one with that is to, to work with zoo officials to understand what those risks could be, whether that's a protein source or, you know, looking at how visitors come in, how much direct access they have. In fact, there's even efforts to look at the creation and, and implementation of secure zoo supply, um, very similar to what we have for secure pork supply. It identifies those risks and then comes up with methods and things that they can use to help prevent or really minimize those. And so that was really the goal of this whole project you know, we weren't going into it thinking we're going to find something, you know, holy cow, we, you know, we completely missed it. On one hand, you wish you would, but on the other hand, we didn't. And that was really good because it helps to reiterate, you know, we're on the right track and we've got to continue to work on these areas because while they're identified, we may not have them solved. Right, right. That was my next question. So, We've now identified them. So what's next? You know, the thing is, is to never let our guard down. And that's probably the, the best thing to say. You know, obviously, with, with the recent identification of ASF, both in the Dominican Republic and in Haiti, it really steps up our game because now we know it's in the Western Hemisphere. Before, we could say, well, it was in Europe, it was in Asia. There was still a, a considerable distance between us and other countries, and we can't say that anymore. And so 
you know, looking again at things like products coming in from uh, out of country, looking at our relationships with Customs and Border Protection. They're our first line of defense, both by use of beagle dogs for tracking illegal products coming into the, to the country, but also looking at people traffic. You know, how do we regulate and, and oversee people coming in back into the country if they've traveled overseas? Or even how do we handle people that are seeking asylum here in the United States and seek to do it safely? And so that's, that's just one step. Um, you know, and the Customs and Border Protection, we have calls with them in the industry. They've been very proactive in reaching out to us. We have several of our staff members working with them on educational materials for things like students. You, you know, you don't even think about a lot of our students go abroad. How do we ensure that those students understand if you go to a farm, to a market, how can you safely return home and not put all of U.S. agriculture at risk? And so that's just one instance. Um, I look at our feeds and feed issues, which it's a very complex, you know, issue. There's so many different parts, um, but we're working closely with with both FDA, our Food and Drug Administration, as well as USDA or U.S. Department of Agriculture, because both of those agencies do have oversight about how feed and feed ingredients are brought into the United States. And so we've got very open dialogue with them on, you know, what are our needs for testing? Um, other countries have looked at certification or even exclusion. And so all of those options are on the table. But what this does is highlight that, yes, it is a risk and we still need to do more work. And so there's ongoing dialogue. There's continuous research looking at risks, looking at mitigation, looking at safe and accurate sampling, because you don't know what's in a product until you can safely and accurately test for it. And so all of those things are huge, huge focus areas for us. Mm -hmm. And that's just a couple. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It's it's so, to me, it's almost overwhelming when you start to hear what you're talking about. There's so many different pieces and, and populations that we need to be educating and working with. And, and so how do we help the producer today be proactive? Because I think sometimes they might feel a little bit overwhelmed when they start to hear it could come this way, it could come this way. And, you know, so how do we yes. help them? You know, this this can be overwhelming. And even those of us that work in it all the time, and this is all we focus on. And I guess I go back to my days in production and think, what are the things that a person, a producer could do immediately on their farm? You know, can they have day-to-day -day interactions and, you know, tell USDA we want this or that? It, that's very hard to do. But what producers can do is look at how do they allow people in and out of their farm? So basic biosecurity. You know, can you wash and clean vehicles, your trucks that move animals, and even ensure cleanliness even on feed trucks, on delivery trucks? So looking at transportation as a whole, how do we exclude things that can be carried on these things coming into the farm? Same with your supplies. Do you have a safe mechanism to bring your supplies in? Are you using a UV chamber or fogging disinfectants? Are you removing things from exterior packaging and having downtime before it goes into the farm? Those are some things. You know, assessing your feeds and feed milling needs. 
are you bringing in, and if you're doing your own feeds, are you bringing anything in that's coming from an ASF positive country? If the answer is no, then that's a good thing. If you know you are unsure, you can always look on bags, look on tags to see what are those ingredients and where are they coming from? There are data out there from multiple researchers um, looking at holding time. If you're unsure of products and are concerned, can you hold ingredients or bagged feed in a temperature-controlled area for a length of time to ensure that any kind of particles or virus are, are died off before going into your farm? Those kind of things, you know. Do you have international visitors? Do you require downtime? Do you have shower in and out or have changing your clothing before you go into farms? You know, it really rolls up to, do you have a, a biosecurity plan that prevents things from getting onto your farm? And I, again, I always try to break it down in my head of what are things that are gonna come in that I don't wanna come in and how do I stop it? So if you don't want people's boots on the farm, have a change room or a bench where they take their shoes off that the shoes never come into the farm or you know change your clothing and put on farm clothes even if you don't have showers so biosecurity to me doesn't have to be complex it just has to be focused on what is your goal if you don't want to bring something in what are the things that i can do in my system to say nope we're not going to bring it in mm -hmm. and i think that's a very good reminder while we know ASF can can be in feed and or potentially be in feed, but certainly in soil for a long period of time. Um, to me, I, I think of ASF as well. It's a movable disease where PERS is right. PERS to us is a, a bigger mystery, right? It, it floats on a cloud and and it shows up. But I think that's a very good reminder that ASF is is truly a controllable disease in a lot of ways because it has to move on something to get here. Yes. Is that a fair way of thinking of that? You know, it is. And ASF is tricky because it's, you have to move it, whether it's an infected pig, but, you know, you look at other countries, say in Russia or in China, um, a lot of times there was reports of pigs moving, of pork products moving, and somehow getting into, you know, other, or getting exposure to other live pigs and causing infections, or garbage. That's a big one that we also look at is, how do we handle garbage feeding, which is allowed in the U.S., but also how do we handle garbage coming in from, you know, international ships, from other conveyances, which we know is, is controlled, but it's still a risk to assess. I think it's, it's again, looking just at all of those things and then thinking, what is it that I can do to stop that? And so it, it's, I go through, because some farms, you know, you may not have things that physically come onto the farm. They may go to an office first. So there's a break point. But if you have supplies that come directly into your farm, that's something to address. And again, I keep it, try to keep it simple, but keep it, you know, where it's focused. Because ASF can get on in the pig to pig is a big one in the feed is a big one, in contaminated materials or pork products, that's also another one to watch. But it's not quite as, as you know, aerosolized, say, as we thought of as PERS or influenza. And so it still does need to be brought in somehow. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very good point. And I, I always go back to the PED era in 2013 when PED came in and and we were watching it move through the industry. And 
and there's a lot of lessons to be learned there. And, and I think you brought up a very good point with the feed in particular is a lot of us went through that exercise during that time of where are sources yes. of feed or ingredients coming from and what can we pull from the U.S. rather than bringing in from an export or an import type of situation. And so I think a lot of people need to go back to that. Right. Um, right. Plus with FESMA, they should have a lot of that information already in place now, which we did not have when PED came through. So verified suppliers and so forth. And so even if you're not making feed on your farm, you should be able to go talk to your feed mill and, and be educated at, at right. the minimum, right, as to what is going into your barns. Correct. And, you know, we've learned a tremendous amount of information since PED days. And it was bad that we all had to go through that because it was extremely painful and costly for people that had infected farms. But we did learn a lot from that, you know, that feed can be a source of infection, as well as the, the transit mechanisms. And so I think since that time, you know, we've had the Food Safety Modernization Act come about and really look at what is the ability of feeds and pathogens to remain in feeds and how to how to mitigate that. But the other things that we've learned at is working together with our other organizations like the American uh, Feed Ingredient Association, because they've got other biosecurity steps and procedures that they have outlined and covered that really help feed milling, feed distribution sites into ensure that their biosecurity is point on. And so that's been very helpful because, you know, just us as, as the pork industry, while we cover a lot, it's so important that we all reach out to our other supporting organizations and have them involved in the conversation because it not just only impacts producers on the farm, but it impacts a lot of other people as well. And so that's so important for all of us to remember where it is a village. It's not just one, one component of that. Um, but yeah, you know, and We've learned things like holding times. We've also worked with suppliers because a lot of our suppliers of these products have stepped up and said, look, you know, we've got good manufacturing pr procedures in place. You know, our bagging, our, our manufacturing facilities are in contained biosecure. So I think this has really had us look reflectively all up the chain to say, what are each individual piece doing and how can we do it? more biosecure, safer, you know, to ensure that we're not a problem. And that's something I think that all of us in the industry and ancillary groups have really done some hard look at. Mm -hmm. One of the last questions I have for you, Lisa, is really around the idea of an audit. So we talk biosecurity all the time. <laughs> it's nothing new for any U.S. pork producer to, to hear the words shower in, shower out, and and know that there is, you know, obviously a checklist that they can go through. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about foreign animal disease, it, it adds a layer to that checkoff list in my mind. So have we created an audit sheet that our producers can use or, you know, provide to our veterinarians that they can then take the producer so that they can go through maybe some of these additional things that we're talking about today? 
Sure. You know, there's a couple of different things. We do at uh, porkcheckoff.org do have an FAD checklist that helps people say in the prior to an event happening, these are some things you should keep into consideration. And that does cover a lot of biosecurity issues, but there's also a lot of other things that are very specific to an outbreak, like having a, a contact with your state animal health official or vet, state veterinarian. Also knowing maybe who is your area or regional veterinarian for USDA, the federal official. Um, but we work closely with other groups like uh, the Swine Health Information Center. They have a rapid response group that investigates kind of new and unusual things that occur. And part of that is having a, a checklist or an audited form that can go through and look at what is the biosecurity on farm? You know, what is happening in these different sectors? And for those of you that can remember, um, years ago, we had the PADRAP. It was the Production of Animal Disease biosecurity risk assessment. And PADRAP kind of got dovetailed into this rapid response team um, because Dr. Daryl Holkamp was one that really had pioneered that information. And so those two things are very important. And then we also have other just biosecurity resources that are included in secure pork supply. Um, even though secure pork supply is not set up to be right in the middle of a disease, but it's a great method for producers to use when they're setting up their biosecurity plans in general, because it lists a lot of very key points that people need to consider in the event that we ever have an outbreak. But like you said, they're very important even for everyday preventing PERS, preventing PED. So those three sites between porkcheckoff.org, secureporksupply.org, I think, and then um, Swine Health Information Center is those are really going to be the big ones that can help drive folks to understand what they need to do and look at for their biosecurity. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's wonderful that you've had a chance to visit with us a little bit about the EpiX, and I assume we can find some more information about those findings on the website, or should we go to the Lehman Conference website, or where would be the best place to, to sure. see that summary if they're interested? Yeah, we will have a summary at porkcheckoff.org under our research tab. Um, we are also, you can go to the Swine Health Information website because we we funded this as a co-fund project, so they have information. And then actually the Layman Swine Conference will have, um, if you had, had registered for that, they will have the video of uh, the presenter, uh, Dr. Costard, presenting on the methodology of how they did that, that work. So all of those would be available. Wonderful. So as we kind of wrap up our discussion today, what would be some key points that you would like our listeners to walk away with today? Sure. You know, I think the key thing really is that all of us that are associated with the industry from industry organizations are, we're not dropping our eyes off of African swine fever and prevention and preparedness are still top of mind for all of us. And our goals for the biosecurity review is really just that to make sure we're not missing something. And now that we know this covers and reinforces our focus, it's still up to all of us to really hone in on those key things and make it a priority of preventing the disease from getting here, but at the same hand, being prepared in the event that it ever does. And so I think those that's really one of the big things is we know it, a lot of the biosecurity things and a lot of the risk things that we're focusing on are what we need to do. But even though we know that, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Well, we thank you for that insight today. That's very beneficial for our producers and veterinarians alike. It is time to our famous three. An animal nutrition technology company offering innovative products and new applications for the swine industry. The combination of AB Vista enzymes, technical services, and nutrition expertise provides the industry with new opportunities to further improve production efficiencies. Fiber is receiving renewed interest due to its influence on the microbiome, and AB Vista has brought together research experts to discuss the industry's knowledge of fiber functionality and to introduce a stimbiotic targeted to improve fiber digestion. To request access, contact NAM at abvista.com. That's N-A-M at abvista.com. For knowledge and news from the global swine industry, access our partner, thepigsite.com. As we kind of wrap up our podcast, as you know, we like to ask our speakers a couple of questions that um, some are pork related and some aren't. And the, the first question I like to ask is what is your go-to swine resource book? And as a veterinarian, I might have a pretty good guess as what that's going to be, but <laughs> please go ahead and, and share what you think your uh, sure. best resource is. Oh man. You know, I think if I look at a, a finite book, I still look at the swine disease book. That's kind of the Bible. Um, but websites, you know, I, I, okay. I'm biased porkcheckoff.org but that that would be one but right now i think we're very blessed in our industry because there is so much really good information and sites and people that are working on so many different things it's almost hard to pick and choose because there's just we're, we're very blessed in the united states to have a lot of really smart people working on a lot of different things and so I, I try to utilize everything I can, you know, from Iowa State, Minnesota, from Kansas State, looking at USDA, uh, you know, even FDA. I mean, all of these sites have got a lot of great information. And, and like I said, we're just we're really thankful that we all have access to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are wonderful resources. I agree. Um, how about a non swine related book or resource <laughs> that you would recommend to our audience? <laughs> You know, I, I read a whole lot in general, and I love to read, and I can't say that there's any one thing. I think one of the, for work and just for, for personal that I'm working on right now is, um, it's called The Four Disciplines of Execution, and it's by uh, Ches McChesney, Covey, and Hewling, and a lot of it has been helpful because it's focusing on your wildly important goals because like you said, we have so much coming in onto us and it's so hard to, how do you prioritize and stay sane at the same time? And so, you know, we all try to be all things for everybody. And this book right now is trying to say, okay, pick a few. <laughs> you can't do everything for everybody. So it really is good though, to, to, to hone in focus and awareness and create those goals and, and meet them. And so that's, I think, for all of us is really important, no matter what we do. Well, that's a good reference. I'll have to take a look at that one. I have not read that one yet. Yeah, yeah, it just came up. So that's good. Oh, good. Well, the last question we like to ask our speakers really evolves around this thought of if you could think of somebody in the industry that you define as successful and success is whatever you want to define it as, what would be a key characteristic about them that, that stands out to you that you think has helped them become successful? 
You know, for me, I, I work a lot in on the research side, and that's always been a, a joy of mine. And I think the big one is, is curiosity. We all have an innate curiosity, I think, as producers. And I don't mean just, you know, for funny things like, oh, that's curious. But I think the curiosity to understand why does something happen? What's behind it? You know, and then how do we get better? And so I think that drives a lot of us is because, you know, you want to understand a disease and it's not just, oh, well, I have to do it for work. It's just what makes it tick? You know, what do we do? And I think having that open-mindedness and that, that need to figure things out is something I find very valuable and I admire in people that I see are successful because they've, they got questions and they go get it. And I think second to that, if I can have a second, is just, you know, that doggedness to, to follow it through, you know, having the curiosity to go ask the questions, but then to have that determination to follow through to find answers and get those answers. So it's really that to me is, I think, a driver. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good one that that inevitable question of why, right? I yes. think that's. That's an absolute, particularly in our industry, we we are always pursuing that. And that's obviously a good component to why the U.S. wine industry has been successful as we continue you to ask the why and, and keep challenging ourselves with that. So you bet. Very good. Well, again, for our audience today, this was Dr. Lisa Backton, who's the director of swine health at the National Pork Board. Lisa, again, we do want to thank you for your time today and your wonderful information that you shared. Great. Thanks for hosting me today. Imagine if with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of nutrition on this online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding by Dr. Marcio Gonsalves and his world-class invited swine nutritionists. Additionally, you will enjoy an exclusive community to network and exchange ideas. Go now to EliteSwineNutritionist.com.